Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good to see a few of us here. Um, To let everyone know, I know this week a lot of things are beginning to slowly open up, even in a limited capacity. I know some of the restaurants are opening and going to allow dining inside, but again, it's going to be at like a 35% capacity. Uh, For us, 35% isn't that much, right? Um, I mean, but we want to start gathering together slowly. So if you would like to join us, I mean, we've got probably about 10 people here in the room right now. If you would like to join us and be a part of just a Sunday morning, we want you to be here. I know many of you are, are thinking, well, I don't want to take the place of somebody else, but we want to see you, and it would be great to have you here. And if you would like to be a part of this limited gathering, uh, please let us know at info at com, and we can shoot out to you uh, to come on down. I know some people have even just called me and say, hey, can I come down Sunday? And I've, you know, just based on how many people we know are here, said, yeah, come on down. And so we do want to start moving towards meeting, but we want to maintain uh, safety for everyone who's involved. Of course, if you are not feeling comfortable, uh, maybe you have some conditions where you feel it's still not safe, then please don't uh, put yourself in jeopardy, of course. And if you're sick, don't put anyone else in jeopardy as well. Um, But we do want to start gathering together. And with that, tonight at 5 p.m., Uh, Take Two has moved from Instagram Live to YouTube, and so what we are doing is live here at 5 p.m. If you would like to be here, come on down. You can join us. I doubt we're going to get a lot of people, so we can definitely have enough. It's basically Randy and I talking about uh, what I'm sharing this morning, but it's also an opportunity for you to ask questions at this camera or look at this camera. It's also an opportunity for you to ask questions about some of the things that I'm talking about. And and I hope that you'll take advantage of that. I don't know that I'll have the answers for you, but this is supposed to be a discussion. When the rabbis used to teach their disciples, it was interactive. It wasn't just the the rabbi talking and sharing a, a teaching It was doing life together. It would be presenting something and then they would ask a question about it. I'm not a rabbi, but I would love discussion. I would love to kind of develop this together. And so please feel free to join us tonight at five o'clock. Bring your questions. Uh, We are changing the prayer on Instagram Live. We're gonna be doing 
prayer now on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10. Think of it as three T's, Tuesday, Thursday, 10. And it's on Instagram Live. And so we are going to continue doing a meditative prayer on Tuesday. On Thursday, we're going to be doing a prayer where we kind of talk to and answer some prayers here. Um, Hold on, let me turn this off. Um, Someone's at my door. Uh, Where was I? Anyway, Tuesday, Thursday at 10. If you have any prayer requests, we have a new email, prayer at thegenesisstory.com. Send in your requests. And again, on Thursdays, we will be praying for those requests that we get in. And if you're there joining us on Instagram Live, you might be able to come in and join in the conversation and lift up some prayer requests. And so those things are happening on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Also, we mentioned uh, briefly that we are going to be doing something called the Human Library. It's a number of people that have a story to tell. If you Google the Human Library or go on YouTube, you'll see some examples of it. It's where we allow a number of people from our community and outside our community to share their story. And their short story is a book. And we invite people to come and listen to them tell their story. It's basically read that book by listening to that person tell the story. It's kind of a live audio book, so to speak. And someone will share for about five, 10 minutes. And then after their time of sharing, there'll be a time to be able to answer questions uh, that you might have about their story. And I think we have about eight people right now. But if you would like to, I I just got a text this morning, uh, someone saying that they would like to share. If you would like to be a part of this human library, if you have a story to tell, um, something that you can share in maybe about five to 10 minutes, something that has happened to your life that you feel has been important, that is worth sharing, then please text uh, us or text me. Or again, you can send an email at info at thegenesisstory.com. Uh, also want to remind you about the giving. Uh, we are still uh, collecting uh, offering, but it's online. And here are a number of the ways you can. It can be, again, at the website. You can go to Zelle, Venmo, or you can mail it to the building here. Um, this allows us to continue doing things and moving forward. Uh, we still have the two spaces We are limited in how we're using them, but we are still paying for them. But in a reduced rate, thankfully, since uh, COVID has started and we can't meet, uh, we've been able to reduce the rent, but that will be going up when we start to being able to gather again. Um, But we still need the finances, so please give as you can. Yesterday, we had a baptism, and it's kind of one of these things where normally it's a big deal. We get a lot of people together. Because of COVID and all the things that were happening, it was a smaller gathering, uh, but we had Brent, who's here this morning, got baptized, and then Josiah, also uh, Sean's son, who was baptized, and it was uh, so refreshing to me. I know it was a great experience for you guys as well. Um, I wish more people could have been there, but I just wanted to share with you guys that Even though we're not meeting together, things are still happening in the lives of people. And I know with Brent, there's been a lot of great things happening. 
It was so cool to see Josiah and hear him as he shared about, well, Jesus was baptized. I want to be baptized too. It was kind of a cool thing. Um, And we want to make room for these things to happen as they continue to happen. During the time of baptism, I know Brent shared that he was there because Colleen planted a seed in his life 10 years ago or so. And I just want you to know, Colleen, that even though you weren't able to be there, we were there because of you. And we do want to lift Colleen up in prayer. I know that she's been having a lot of pain lately, and so we want to pray for her that the Lord would bring healing to her body from the cancer and from the pain, from the treatments. And so let's pause and let's pray for her right now. Father, we love our sister. We miss her. And we know that she's been battling uh, cancer for a while now, and we know that it's taking a toll on her body. And so, God, we pray that you would give her strength. We pray that you would bring healing. We pray that you would bring comfort and relieve her from the pain, Lord. We thank you for her influence in so many people's lives, Lord. And, Lord, I pray that she would... Rejoice in that her life has touched others' lives. And even as Brent shared yesterday, he was there being baptized because of how she influenced his life all those years ago. And I'm sure that can be multitude, Lord, multiplied, Lord. I pray that you would bless her right now, even as she's joining us here live, Lord. May you bring her strength, comfort, and joy hearing these things, Lord, a testament of her life. Thank you for it, Lord. And I do pray this morning, God, as I share some things that are just on my heart, and I pray that they would be useful to us, God. Lord, I pray that I, as a pastor, can lead people to you in a way that is genuine, in a way that is helpful, in a way that is going to allow us to have a healthy relationship with you and with one another. And I thank you for this time that we have together, Lord. And I do thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I am steering away from the book of Daniel. I won't be doing chapter 10. We'll see if we go back to it or not. I, I... I have some things that I really want to share, some things that are important to me. And, you know, especially when transition happens, change happens and it's difficult. And we, we feel ourselves wanting to bring a sense of control back. Um, There's the tendency to go back to things that maybe are important to us. And and maybe that's why I'm doing this this morning. But this morning, I'm going to talk to us about flowers the word believe, New Orleans, the word faith, and flowers and birds. When things happen to us, traumatic things, they they leave an impression in our lives, right? A lot of times when we've gone through something uh, traumatic, we kind of get stuck in that place of trauma. Have you ever noticed that people always like the music that they liked back when they were in high school, right? 
I think because high school is a traumatic event, and it it's kind of sticks to us that time, right? We, we get stuck in those places, and some people will actually wear the same clothes that they wore at a time a traumatic event occurred. Maybe, you know, a big change in their life. Uh, maybe something, you know, happened to them. They got a breakup or something. They joined the military, something that was a big deal, and you find they kind of get stuck in that place. Their haircut's the same. Their clothing's the same. Yesterday, my son was talking to me and he said at work, he, he was unloading some things and he unloaded a bunch of flowers. And when he got the aroma of those flowers, he remembered when he was young and my mom used to take him into the backyard and she would tell him, hey, smell these flowers. And he was just moving these flowers and all of a sudden he started welling up with cheers because he remembered that event. Right? We, we get kind of at a place where these things, we hold on to them and they can be great things like that memory or sometimes they can be difficult things. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're just a matter of, of getting stuck. We, we, we don't move from that place because it's comfortable. And a lot of times I find that's my case in, in this spiritual journey that I'm in, I, I remember maybe the time when I, I made a decision to follow Jesus and the things that I thought back then, the things that meant something to me back then, and they become the things I hold on to because they become security for me. But growth has to take place. And I'm still growing and I have to let go of some of these things sometimes. And one of the things that I'm trying to learn or grow in is this understanding of the word believe, right? It has become a word that instead of being who, like I believe in Jesus, it becomes I believe in these things, right? It's become a word that tells me I believe in the Bible, I believe in baptism, I believe these things, but it's not a word of who, it's a word of what. And, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to know things or, or to think things through. There, there's nothing wrong with wanting content to the word. And, and I hope you know me well enough by now to know that I want you to think, I want you to be engaged. The problem isn't learning or, or thinking. The problem with the word believe is it's mistaking information with belief. And think of how we use that word, right? We, we, we use the word believe when we talk about our faith. What do you believe in? Really? You believe in that? I don't believe in that. Oh, how long have you believed that? Oh, if you believe like that, you can't come to our church, right? I mean, we have this idea. You, 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 you believe a certain thing and it has to do with the information that you think. And we use the word believe in thinking as if they're interchangeable, right? Oh, I believe these things. And belief becomes a way of thinking. I believe that God exists. I believe that God created the world. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. These are all things I believe. And again, there is content in that word, but there's something else going on. I mean, there's nothing wrong with creeds. There's nothing wrong about talking about what we believe. But in scripture, believing is not primarily focused on what we think. 
In Scripture, the focus becomes something about what God has done. And if we forget that, we're missing something. There's nothing wrong, again, with the things of what, but it's who we put our trust in, namely God. Believing is a who word more than it is a what word. And if we forget that, we'll read into Scripture things that I think are going to miss the point completely of what they're meant to be, right? Believing is not without content, as I said. The Israelites trusted God because of what God had done for them, delivering them from Egypt, right, from slavery. But when we come across the idea of believing in Scripture, the focus is on what God did. It's focused on who God is. It's not content a content of thinking, but a trust in a person. And when we see belief or believe in the Bible, try to think of trust rather than understanding. And the first time we see the word believe take place, it happens in Genesis. Genesis chapter 15, I'm going to start at verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward, and shall be very, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Elzior of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord And he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord. Again, the first place where we see this word believe takes place. And believe in the original Hebrew is the word aham. It's where we get our word amen from, right? Which is interesting because this is a word where we get believe and amen. So amen doesn't mean you can start eating, right? That, that's not what the word's about. Amen isn't a word that says, okay, we're done playing with grace and now we're over and let's go that. Amen is the final word of a prayer. It's a declaration of trust. We're done talking now, Lord. We've said our peace and put this matter into your hands and now we trust you with it. Amen is a surrender. It is, I don't need to say anything else. What's been said is over and it's now relinquished into your care. See, God promised a very old man that his very old barren wife would bear children. Not simply that, you know, 
God was able to do this. Abraham trusted that God would do this. And there's a big difference. There's a difference between thinking God can and trusting God to. Abraham amended God to come through. Of course, it's it's fine to say, right, that Abraham believed, but only if we control our, our thoughts to not push to the what or that category of our thinking, to remember that it's a who word, that believe was a trust in God word. See, belief shows up in this way more times than not, but we always think, oh, these are the things I believe. That's what I believe instead of it being a who I believe in. Belief shows up in the New Testament a lot. And again, it's a trust word there as well. Like when a man brought his son who was convulsing and foaming at the mouth to Jesus for healing in Mark chapter nine. And Jesus says, all things can be done for the one who believes. What does he mean? All things can be done for the one who believes. Who the one who thinks I can do these things? The father cried out, I believe. Help my unbelief. Right? We know that the father wasn't saying, I have an 80% degree of certainty, God, that you are able to do these things, but can you help me with that 20% to maybe boost it a little? Right? That's not what he was saying. What he was saying is, I need help letting go of my concern. My son is in a terrible condition and I can't stop worrying about it. Help me to trust you instead of hold on to my worry. And there's another story where Jesus arrives too late to heal the daughter of Jairus. And the leader of the synagogue, it happens in Luke 8, when Jesus is delayed, he comes to him and says, the girl has already died, so don't bother coming anymore. Jesus replies, do not fear, only believe, and she will be saved. Again, think of these words, only believe, and she will be saved. Wait, she's dead. What do you mean she's going to be saved? Believe, what do you, you mean to believe that you're able to think that you can do this? No, again, it's idea of trusting. Only believe. Jesus arrives at the house, but the thought of doing anything to help the girl right now is totally irrational. There's no way you can presume that he's going to do what he does. And when Jesus said only believe, he was clearly asking them, especially Jairus, to trust him to come through, to entrust his daughter to him. And, And you see, belief comes or shows up usually at a time when our ability to process or figure things out starts to fade. When when there is no way that we can make things happen, we can control the situation, then's when belief actually shows up. I remember getting on a plane after my son was hit by a car and we didn't know if he was dead. We didn't know what had happened to him or not because 
he had kind of fallen off the radar. All we know is that he was hit by a car and got in an altercation. And I had to get onto a plane, fly to New Orleans and try to find him. And, and the circumstance was pretty traumatic. I mean, we thought the worst, felt the worst. And I can remember for about eight hours being on that plane and I was spent because it happened. We got the phone call at about 10 o'clock at night and I had to then get the flight, fly over there and do all this thing. And it was probably about eight, 10 hours in the span that this all happened. And I was just spent. I was spent physically. I was spent emotionally. I, I was spent completely. And in that time of flying, I remember just going over and over praying and saying, okay, God, and trying to work out what can I do? How can I help? And I have no control over this circumstance. And it was about at 30,000 feet that I finally said, amen. I'm done. I have no more words. I have no more control. I surrender and I trust you. I didn't know the outcome. And of course, now we can look back and say the outcome was good, but sometimes you don't know the outcome. I have no control over how it's going to come out. I don't know what will happen. I remember sitting with my mom when the doctor came and told us that the cancer had grown and metastasis meant to stage four. And I can remember just hearing that news and thinking this, this isn't the news we wanted. This isn't what we wanted to hear and feeling that same, we don't have control over this. And there comes a place where you, you can only do so much. And even that place where you can still go to the doctors and you still can do the treatments and you can still do the trials, but you have to come to a place where you say, amen, I'm done. All I can really do is trust because I can't figure it out. I, I can't make things change. I'm physically, mentally, emotionally empty. And that's usually when we believe. The book of James summarizes the idea in one verse where he says, you believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder, right? Believing that God is X, Y, and Z, oh, God's omnipotent, God's omniscient, God is all these things. Well, that's great. It has its place, but it's so easy that even a demon can do it. Trust, on the other hand, is different. Moving from your head to your whole self is where your belief is all in. Where you trust God. You trust him completely. That's something entirely different. That's more than thinking. That's depending. When that's the part we can't lose sight of when we're talking about believing. That's what we need to remember even as we see it in scripture, that believing is a who word, letting go of fear and the burning impulse to act, to take control and trusting God. So when I come across that word in scripture, I want to replace it with trust. And it usually makes a big, big difference. 
And, and I'm challenged, right, to get out of my head where I'm warm and safe and feel the risk, no risk of trusting God. I, I, I have this safety place, this place where everything's the same. And then all of a sudden there's a, a trauma, there's a tragedy, there's a pandemic, there is a loss of job, there is the illness, there is something that happens and now everything is spinning. Believing is easy when it's in our mind. It, it gives us wiggle room to think our way out of a tight spot, but trust doesn't have any wiggle room. It explodes it. Trust is about being all in. And the word faith is very similar, right? When we talk about word faith as with belief, we ask someone to tell us about their faith. They might answer and say, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I was born again. I believe that Jesus is the son of God who died for my sins. And they go on and explain what they believe as if that's faith. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Faith, like belief, includes content. It includes that kind of substance, the what of it. But again, we can't stay on that level. It, it, faith is not just about what you think. It's not just about those ideas that you have. It's not just about the content. It has to move from the what to the whom. And in the New Testament, we see that faith is typically not about the content of what we think. It's about trusting and acting on that trust. Faith, again, is a who word. It's a trust word. We saw the example of the father and Jairus's daughter, Right? I believe, help my unbelief, only believe and she will be saved. And I know these passages say unbelief and believe, but the Greek word behind that word believe is the word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. It's the same one that is translated as faith. So we've got believe and we've got faith coming out in the same word, in the same place. And they are the same word, but with different uses. And there's a point to this. My point in this is that we need to be alert as to what's happening when we see believe or faith in the New Testament. These are words about all in trust. These are words about giving completely. These are words that aren't just about how you think. It's not something we believe about God or about Jesus. It is about relying completely on God. Pistis is also an action word. And here's where things get interesting, right? Because when used as an action word, it's usually translated as faithful, faithfulness, trustworthy, trustworthiness. So what? Well, knowing this gives us a bigger and deeper view of the New Testament writers as after this, when they talk about faith, right? And it's not so much something we have, like the thought we have in our heads or even the feelings we have in our hearts. Faith describes our whole way of looking at life and how we act on that. Faith describes a parent letting go 
of the fear for their child and handing that child over to Jesus. Faith like that is a conscious decision to trust. And it's hard to let go of control. Have you guys noticed that? I don't know if it's easy for you, but it's difficult to let go of control. I fight for it. I grab for it. I want control. And faith and trust is about relinquishing control. It's not about doing nothing, but it's about surrendering the need to be in control. Faith's a tough word. It's something that's hard. People talk about, oh, yeah, I have faith. When I have faith, it's usually not an easy thing. It's usually a thing that has worn on me, that's caused something to take place in me. And faith is not just directed towards God, but towards other people. And here's where things get messy. Here's where it gets really tough, right? Where the followers of Jesus are to be faithful towards each other. That same word, pistis. They're they're to be trustworthy towards each other. Paul says this. He puts it, the only thing that counts is faith, Working through love. He isn't saying, listen, we've got to have two things going on here. There's faith that we have on the inside and there's love that we show towards others. Replacing faith and faithfulness helps us to see Paul's point more clearly. He is saying that faith and love are two sides of the same coin. I am faithful and loving. I am there for you because I care for you. It's not just I think warm, fuzzy, I have faith. It, that kind of word becomes meaningless. Here is a word that's faithful, it's substance. When a, a husband's faithful to his wife or you're faithful to your work, when you're, you're faithful to something, it means you are given to that thing. And here we are supposed to be faithful to one another. Faith isn't simply something that happens between God and us. Faith is a community word where we care and are there for each other. But there's more. Faith also describes what God does, which is a big clue that having faith doesn't quite cut it. Right? God doesn't have faith, but God is faithful. How? We see God's faithfulness by what he does. How do we see our faithfulness? It's by what we do. We see in Jesus God's supreme, complete act of faithfulness. And faithful also describes Jesus. Paul says that we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. A better translation would be is just not justified by the works of the law, but through faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul isn't saying you're not justified by God by your efforts, but by your faith. The contrast he's making isn't between two options we have. The contrast is between your efforts and and Jesus' faithfulness to you. 
shown in his obedience to God on the cross. That changes this verse completely. And I tell you, that is worth the price of admission to come here tonight at Take Two and talk about. Because this is a big deal, right? Paul's letter is focusing not so much on communication, right, of a set of beliefs that will lead you to heaven when you die. That, that's not what the letter is talking about. Instead, Paul's focus is on how God has made Jews and Gentiles one people of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the faithfulness of Christ. So we're not justified by the works of the law, but by the faithfulness of Jesus. And now we're seeing this word faithfulness. This has substance. This is something that you build a life on. This is something that we are connected to in such a powerful way. Paul's interested in telling his readers about what Jesus did, about Jesus's faithfulness. Not what we do. God's great act of faithfulness is giving us his only son for our sake. God is all in. He gave all that he could give. Jesus' act of faithfulness is going through with it for our sake. He was all in. He gave all that he could give. Jesus is all in. God is all in. Now it's my turn. Now it's our turn, which is really the point of this idea of faith. It's all in. You know, the baptism yesterday, that's really what it represented. It was that I'm dying to this way of life and I am living to this new way of life. I am all in. I'm completely giving myself to this way of life. This is where we're to be like God and to be like Jesus. We are called to be faithful, faithful to God and faithful to each other. And here's where it really kicks you in the pants. When we're faithful to each other like this, we are more than simply being nice or kind. That's important. But it's more than that. It's more important when we are faithful to each other, we are at that moment acting like the faithful God and the faithful son. Being like God, that's the goal. And that goal shows up when we are faithful towards one another. You see, it's real easy for me to get my Bible and study my Bible and read my Bible and and know these things and I can get all these commentaries and I can get all these information. But if I'm not faithful to my brothers and sisters, I don't look like God. That's where faith shows up. And we are most like God not when we are certain we're right about God, not when we have the right information about God or tell others how right we are, but when we are acting towards one another like the faithful father and the faithful son. What would happen 
if our communities were faithful to each other like God was faithful to us. But you don't know, man. I disagree with these people, and I, I don't I understand those things. It's not about the beliefs. It's about being faithful to one another. And I can be faithful to someone who I disagree with. We do it in family all the time. Humility, love, and kindness are our greatest acts of faithfulness and how we show that we are really all in. John writes in 1 John 4, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. People loving each other is the closest we get to seeing God. Being in with God is about much more than the thoughts we keep in our heads, the belief systems we hold on to, the doctrines we recite, or the statements of faith that we adhere to, no matter how strong or important those might be, being obsessed with making sure we have all the thoughts about God properly arranged and defended isn't faith. That's not faith. Faith is commitment to God, to each other. I think this way of thinking has diluted our voice in the world. This idea of we have to have all the right information, that that's what makes our faith. We spend our time answering questions that no one is asking, right? We we defend the historicity of the Bible when people are wondering why we have so little faithfulness to our world or the environment. We, We defend the facts of the resurrection when they'll never trust a system that undermines women and puts them in second-class citizens that won't allow them to teach or lead. See, one is faithful to someone. One is a system of beliefs, and we're, we're trying to defend things, and people are saying, I don't see something that looks like faith. I'm seeing a system of beliefs, things that you think about, but not what you're committed to. This happens when we think faith and belief are about right ways of thinking. And again, the New Testament, that's not the case. In the majority of the times we see those words, it's not about thinking, it's about trusting. James says this, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can that kind of faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat well, do you not give them what the body needs? What good is it? So also faith, if it does not have works, is dead, being by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. I will show you faith by my works. We miss what the biblical writers were after if we think belief and faith are connected to thinking. They are deep. They're hard words, more than we might have been led to expect, but they're also beautiful words because they are connected to commitment. They are connected to faithfulness. They are connected to trustworthiness. The idea of belief and faith are connected to the core of who God is and who we are to be. Another favorite verse in Proverbs, 
Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six, something that we know so well. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. In the Old Testament, heart isn't merely the seat of emotion, right? It's the seat of one's thoughts, one more, one's moral compass and one's will. The heart is the center of who we are. What the heart means, all of you, every part of you, what you feel, think, do, your will. Trusting God with all our hearts is a complete surrender. It's a life decision to be all in all the time, whether you're relying on your own insight or ability to understand, to figure out or solve the problem. Trust remains when our reasons fail. Trust shows up when we don't understand the mysteries of God. Corinne and I always have this thing. Why do some people escape the calamity and tragedy and others don't? I don't know. I have no answer. Why one person gets in a car accident and is okay and the other does and a child is killed. I don't know. Faith is not easy. It's not trying to figure it all out, but being able to say, God, I believe, help my unbelief. I'm leaning on you. Trust remains even when reason fails. Our level of insight does not determine our level of trust. In fact, seeking insight rather than trust can get in the way. You know, when it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, that word acknowledge, it, it, it doesn't, it betrays, I think, the thought of that verse. Because I can acknowledge someone across the room by, hey, how you doing, right? That's acknowledge. But it really means know him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways know him. That means know him when things are going good. That means know him when things are going bad. That means know him when you're going through a difficulty or a struggle. That means know him when things are going well. It means know him all times in your life. You see, trust and faith are not easy words. They're, they're words of commitment. They're words that are supposed to grab hold of our life. Imagine the story of Adam and Eve and what would have happened if Eve would have stepped back and asked herself, who is in this transaction the person who is most trustworthy? The creator or the crafty serpent, right? And instead, she reached for knowledge, for insight, and you know the rest, right? The, the Adam and Eve story is about what happens when knowing is elevated above trusting. There is no way you or I are going to know all the things that happen and the reasons why. There's just not the ability. It doesn't mean we don't act in them trustworthy and faithful, but there's no way to have complete understanding 
Trusting in God isn't simply something to do in a crisis, but in all your ways. To rely. To rely in the Hebrew suggests leaning on. Trusting without even thinking about it. Most of you are sitting on a chair or on a couch right now. You're not thinking about it holding you. You're just trusting that it will be. See, only God's worthy of that all lean in kind of trust, that kind of trust our own insights are unable to, capable to figure out. In fact, sometimes we betray ourselves trying to figure these things out. We, we want to know, and I, you know me, I want to know, I want to figure things out, but trust and faith is leaning at it and knowing that I will not always have the answers. I, I can't have all those answers. So when it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, again, it's to know him in all these things. Trust is an all-in, no-wiggle-room word. It's a hard word. And I know I'm going a little bit long. I'm going to end with Jesus and his story. You know, he tells the famous story and turns upside down any distorted thoughts we might have had about what it means to believe in God. And I love in Peter N's book, The Sin of Certainty, he gives this little dialogue that I want to kind of rehearse over uh, with you guys. Changed it a little bit. But in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he tells us not to worry. He says, consider the lilies of the field. They don't toil. They don't spin. And it, God dresses them. Solomon was not even arrayed in that kind of glory. And, and he says, look at the birds of the air. They don't so They don't reap. They don't put things in barns, and yet God takes care of them. How much more will he care for you, O oh, you of little faith? Right? I love the beauty of this, but I also have questions. I, I've gotten into more trouble because of questions. Right? Questions for my bosses, questions for leaders, questions for teachers, questions for fa- pastors. You know, They'll say something, and I will question it. And, you know, one good question leads to another and then all hell breaks loose and I get kicked out or fired or whatever. I imagine I would have some questions for Jesus when he gives this illustration, right? He gives the illustration about lilies of the field and the birds of the air. See, they're doing just fine because God takes care of them. So what are you so worried about? And I'd raise my hand and I'd say, excuse me, Jesus calls on me, yes. Okay, so this sounds beautiful and poetic, but can we get real here? First of all, lilies don't have brains. And I'm sure you've heard the phrase bird brain before, right? I mean, birds fly into windows, for goodness sakes, right? And I could see Jesus interrupting. Yeah, they also can fly thousands of miles and get away from a hurricane before anyone knows it's there and then fly back to their nest. The exact same one in the same tree. But go ahead, you go on. I mean, oh, okay. So, I have a brain, the ability to perceive. I have bills to pay. I have a house to maintain. I have children to care for. I have family that I have to watch over. I'm living 
in a pandemic, for goodness sake, where people I know are are flipping out and the world is turning upside down. It's an election year, Jesus, for goodness sake. Forgive me if I laugh when I hear you comparing me to the problems of plants and birds. Birds are birds, plants are plants. By definition, they don't have the capability or the capacity for thought that even makes worrying possible. By definition, they literally have no worries. They are incapable of worry. And Jesus would respond, you're more right than you know. Yes, plants and birds, by definition, are incapable of worry. And I would respond, um, are you going to answer my question without really answering it like you always do with the Pharisees or like Yahweh did with Job? Because that gets old and, and I'm not in the mood for that. Jesus would respond, I'm, I'm telling you to consider the lilies of the field and the birds of the air because they are, like you said, by definition, incapable of worry. Um, okay, Jesus could respond, if you truly trust the Father, you too will be, by definition, incapable of worry. Um, okay, Jesus could go on and say, worry will be as impossible for you as it is for brainless plants and clueless birds when you trust, when you let go of your life and lean on God. With your whole heart, worry will fade from your vocabulary. You will be as oblivious to the cares of this world as the plants and birds, and then you will be free, free of worry. Do you get it? My head exploding says, so you mean don't worry isn't just a quote for a Bible poster featuring cute animals. You actually mean this stuff. Jesus would say, what's a Bible poster? And yes, I mean it. Maybe we should train ourselves to use different words to talk about faith, believing in God. That doesn't just get us to that place that Jesus describes here. Belief leaves room if we're using our thoughts for worry. If it's about thinking, belief gives room for us to be overrun with the cares. But trust destroys it. Do you trust God? Oh yeah, I trust God. Then why do you worry? I don't know. Because I don't really trust. Because I'm consumed about so many things. I'm consumed about who's going to win an election. I'm consumed about who's going to be on the Supreme Court. I'm assumed, consumed about the people who are sick. I'm consumed about friends who I'm losing. I'm consumed about what things are going to look like. I'm consumed about so many things. And really, it's evidence of my lack of trust. 
And who is more worthy of my trust than my God? Who has given everything for me? Who is more worthy of my trust than my Jesus? Who has given everything for me? What's he asking me to do? He's asking me to trust. Amen. Father, help us to trust. Help us to believe. Help me to have faith. And not to confuse thinking with believing. Help me not to confuse having right organization of thoughts with faith. Help us to believe. May you distinguish the difference between thinking and believing. May you consider the lilies of the field and the birds of the air and believe that you are of more value than they. Amen. God bless you guys. Hope to see you tonight. Join us at 5 o'clock if you have questions. I think this has got a lot of room for questions here. Uh, We'd love to see you here. God bless you guys. Love you. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.